You're listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper, practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome or welcome back to our Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller, here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, answering questions that you have about theology, faith, and our questions from Sunday morning. Uh, We actually are answering one that we didn't necessarily plan on answering. This is one that came in during our Creed series and was one that I actually heard a lot about. We actually had a long discussion in our small group about this question as well. So we wanted to kind of pause and talk about this specific topic because I know you said you didn't get enough time to talk about it on Sunday morning uh, as much as you wanted to either. So What we're talking about is something that's actually written into the creed, so you've been saying it on Sunday mornings if you've been there, Uh, this idea that that Jesus descended into hell. Uh, And this person wrote in and just said, can you explain exactly what that means? They've been researching and studying it a little bit and found that they still didn't entirely understand the subject matter. So let's start kind of at the beginning. Why is that even really written into the creed, or can you give some insight into exactly what they mean, what they're talking about? Yeah, I think one of the things we should recognize is, first of all, the creed was written in 140 AD. So different language, different Mm -hmm. lingo at that point in time. It's a little bit like when the Apostles' Creed says, you know, and the holy Catholic church, people always get up in arms about that. It's a small c, Catholic, not a large c. It's not a denomination or a religious group. It's just this idea of being universal. But they use the word Catholic and it's always caused confusion. I think the same thing is true with regards to hell. Again, recognized, written about 140 AD. But at that point in time, the word that is translated hell was actually the word Sheol, which you will find in the Old Testament Hebrew. You find it several places. You see it in Genesis chapter 37. when the father of Joseph sees Joseph die and, he, you know, he says, boy, he goes down into Sheol. It's talked about in Psalm 88. It's talked about in the book of Job. It's talked about in Jonah that he ascends to Sheol. Uh, it's this idea, and you'll even see it in the New Testament. We usually translate it Hades, sometimes hell. But the idea is this, is that it is death, and there's really two compartments. One of them would be those who know Christ as their Savior, sort of the righteous side of death. And then there certainly is that unrighteous side, people who didn't receive Christ as their Savior. But I think that's why a better translation is what a lot of people are doing nowadays, where you get to that phrase and it simply says, he descended to the dead. Because what they want to combat, I think, I think this is what the original writers were trying to deal with, was this idea eventually of a swoon theory that Jesus didn't really fully die and so he couldn't be fully resurrected Mm. because he wasn't fully dead. And I think that's what they were after more than anything else, is he descended to the dead, meaning he was completely dead. So you said that there, you know, Hades or however Sheol is translated, there's a righteous side and an unrighteous side. So is that different than, you know, the righteous side is different than heaven? Uh, Yes, very much. So again, we got to talk this through a little bit from a theological perspective. You recognize that, and we'll talk about this a little later with regards to death, but you know, soul and body are separated at the point of death. And so the soul immediately goes into the presence of the Lord if you knew Christ as your Savior. So that would be more of the righteous side. And then there is the side apart from Christ that had separated from Christ. So 
uh, recognize again at that point in time. This is just sort of differentiations of where death is and where you spend eternity and that's ultimately going to be locked up. First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the body and the soul being reunited where those two things come together. But in the meantime, until the second coming of Christ, yes, I think there's two distinct separations in Sheol, in death, mm -hmm. until we wait the final second coming of Christ. Hmm. I've heard it referred to as like Abraham's bosom before. Is that all kind of in the same realm? It is. And that's that story in Luke chapter 16 of Lazarus and the rich man. And he's in, you know, Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Whenever scripture refers to the bosom of Abraham, that would be the righteous side of Sheol. Abraham's bosom was always sort of seen as this ultimate place of heaven, paradise, eternal reward for those who trusted in God. Yeah. So if there's this righteous side and Jesus dies, so people that have lived before Jesus, we always said they're pointing to the cross, they're pointing to the cross. That's how they kind of get to heaven or the righteous side. Are they just kind of laying in wait for Jesus? <laughs> Uh, no, ultimately, I think their soul, immediately upon death, even in the Old Testament, went into sort of that unrighteous side of death or Sheol. And then ultimately, though, when Christ comes again, that second coming of Christ, then body and soul for them will be reunited as well. And then, because I want to make this distinction, uh, Revelation chapter 20 talks about this lake of fire, this, this place where Satan and all of his demons are put, we often refer to that as hell. So for the unrighteous who died, Old or New Testament, apart from Christ, their spirit goes there, then their bodies and their souls are again reunited, and then Revelation 20 talks about the fact that they'll be cast into this lake of fire, hell, separated eternally from God. Mm -hmm. So then follow that thought all the way through for people who are in Christ. So they've lost a loved one in Christ, yeah. Follow that through for that. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment because that's ultimately where I want to get. Is whenever somebody says to me, especially when I do a funeral, and they say to me, well, can you tell me, my loved one knew Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life, can you tell me right now mm -hmm. that they're in heaven? And I really believe, according to Scripture, we can. I, I believe immediately at the point of death, and I used to deal with a guy who was a metaphysics type guy, and he would always tell me you could actually weigh a body at the point of death and they were lighter because he believed that that's when the soul leaves the body. And again, when we refer to soul, we just really refer to this immaterial part of us that connects with God. We have this physical body, but obviously the thing that separates us from the rest of creation is you and I have this ability to connect with God in our soul, our spirit, whatever you want to call that. So I think immediately, instantaneously when we die, our spirit our soul immediately goes into the presence of God. Our bodies then, Scripture talks about this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, rest in the graves, the catechism says, as in their beds. So there's a sense in which we're kind of resting our physical body in the grave until Christ comes again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now our body and our soul are reunited and we spend eternity in the presence of God. Those who are alive at the second coming then are caught up with those, snatched up, raptured into the presence of God, and then we're always in the presence of God together. 
think where it gets most confusing, especially when I was researching this, is just the different terminology and the different language that seems to kind of be used interchangeably, and you have to figure out the difference. But would you say this idea of Sheol and all of these different words that are used, is this kind of where the idea of purgatory comes from, that there's this there's point of waiting? Yeah, it, it is the beginning of that. Ultimately, purgatory from a, you know, more of a Catholic perspective be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it talks about, you know, uh, wood, hay, and stubble is sort of burned up. They think there needs to be more payment that needs to be made. Not only did Christ pay the price, but also there's a second price that needs to be paid in terms of purgatory, refining us and purifying us and readying us for heaven. Protestants, we don't believe that. I just don't see scriptural evidence for that. But yes, this is kind of the initial base that's laid for this idea of purgatory, even though you and I would not hold to that. And I mean, in Jesus' own words, there's no need to. I mean, his last words are, it is finished. Um, or his, some of his words on the cross are, it is finished, giving this idea that it's, it's done. Yeah, and it's one of the things I'd like to just point out here is, you know, often we think that the reason Christ descended into hell was there was more need for payment to be made. So if, if we took this idea of literal rather than he's descended into the dead, but he ascended, descended into hell, uh, they think that actually Christ needed to be further punished for his sins. I just don't, I think that's about as unbiblical as you can get because when Christ cries on the cross, it is finished to telestai, past action that has continuous results. There was a sense in which it was all paid for and there is no need for any further payments. I, I just think we have to be very careful of that. There's also this idea that Christ goes to preach in hell. Um, remember in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, it talks about the fact that Christ preaches to set the prisoners free, and some people use that to say, see, he went to hell and he preached there. Uh, again, that's a one time that it shows up in Scripture, and it actually probably refers to the work of the Spirit of God uh, to regenerate people and to draw people to Christ. But I don't think there's any biblical evidence. It's a one-time mention in Scripture. and You always should have support for different theological ideas. So I don't think Christ descends into hell. I don't think that he preaches to those who are there in hell. I, I actually think when he died on the cross of Calvary, much like he said to the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise, I think he goes immediately to the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Well, I think that's so important. I mean, that those are words just out of the mouth of Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. Correct. And I, I do think there's a sense in which, because for Old Testament saints, you know, recognizing they're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah until Christ pays the debt, I, I, I get now it's applied to them. So, so I do think, and I talked about this a little bit in the sermon, but I'm guessing as he takes the thief on the cross and they go into the presence of the Lord, I think there's buses of Old Testament saints that are showing up there too because now all of a sudden the very thing that they had long awaited had been paid because we're all saved through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, we're saved through Christ and Him alone. Well, I hope for you that that at least cleared up something. I don't know. It seems like one of those subjects where the more you look into it, the more information you get, and sometimes the more confused you Very get. It's confusing. just such an interesting topic uh, to dive into a little bit and kind of see. But the reality is, the truth of Scripture is that Jesus died for our sins and uh, saved us by His grace. And sometimes some of the details we don't always need to work out on this side of heaven. No, and I think it's fair to say there's differing opinions on this. There mm -hmm. really are. And I... I think it's one of those non-essentials of the faith that we can say, hey, you read scripture and come down where you will. Mm -hmm. 
again, it's not, as long as we recognize together that salvation comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ and Him alone, uh, what happened in between there, whether He spent the three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection in hell, which I don't think He did, but whether you do or not, I, I don't think is an essential of the faith that's going to change what Christ has done for you. Well, thank you so much for submitting that question. I hope uh, you continue to do that as we are working through this series, asking questions. If you have them, we will be back next week. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.